0: It's been a while since all the crew here at Myth of the 20th Century could get together, but in the spirit of Christmas, we are happy to say this time we managed. From all of us, we hope you have a good holiday, and to remember when external forces try to divide us, it is all the more important to uphold those that deep down care about you most.
1: Well, I'm not a crook. I ain't burned everything I have
0: done.
2: A new world order. But we are here to destroy the control of the industry of other
0: people.
2: I did not trade arms for hostages. It's been my
0: period.
1: Welcome to the myth of the 20th century. My name is Hank Oslo. I have seized control of the show. No longer will we be captive to our Jewish handlers, represented by Adam Smith, Nick Mason, Hans Lander, It'll just be a comfy Yule episode of me issuing diktats for my studio here deep in the secluded wilderness of Montana. This coup should proceed successfully as long as my co-hosts do not remember to dial in to our regularly scheduled Skype call. Is there anybody else in line?
2: Is this the
1: Jushiel
2: Hotline? I'm looking God damn it. I'm looking for the Jew shill hotline. <laughs> My name is Alex Nicholson,
3: and I will be joining Hank today. Uh, glad to be back on the show.
2: We're all together again. I think we're together again, actually. There should be a fourth person. I forget his name, but I know that he's on the show. I know he's a Jew shill think he was accused of recently the
3: jewish I thought
1: was very suspicious that we had scheduling conflicts that meant that some people couldn't be on particular shows but adam who holds the show together was on every show extremely suspicious Weird. yeah Good i guess i guess i'm coming out my name is uh,
0: Adam. that's what's his name is okay. adam uh smith stein smithberg you guys decide <laughs> yeah. Goldsmith, perhaps. Yeah. That Sorry for Smith. having agency and trying to uh, be on every show. I won't That's do that I, in the future, guys. So,
1: Merry well, Christmas!
2: This is the yuletide Tide special. Welcome. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the pro- program. I hope you all are having a, a good a good Yule season. You know, uh, did you did you guys leave out any sacrifices? For for santa
1: well not yet i don't know how things work in your household but uh the action tends to be packed around christmas eve
0: i heard sam hyde's giving out i like to
2: get my sacrifices out early to make sure that
0: when santa
2: comes door to door he makes sure to you know miss me
1: the trick is so did you guys ever do the whole uh you know, oh no, the reindeer have trashed our yard thing. No, I didn't do that. No, what does that mean? No. So it, just you, 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 leave out, well, you leave out the milk and Push cookies your trash can then, over? Like, outside <laughs> in your front yard. You just, like, uh, you smash some carrots. You uh, oh, get, get some, like, you know, coal in the ground. And it's like, oh, reindeer came through. they really made a mess, etc. See, It's not just Santa sneaking around. It's like he's got his whole crew with him. I,
0: I heard Santa went electric this year. He's uh, I mean,
1: reindeer are a renewable resource. Sort of. You've, you've got to
0: maintain large amounts of hay fields in the North Pole, which is really difficult and takes a lot of energy to grow that stuff. Um, oh, Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, Okay, reindeer? hold on. So hold on. Like, hold like, on. Hold on. I have some misconceptions to clear up here. Okay. Okay. First of all, Santa does not live in the North Pole. He lives in Finland. Okay. Yeah. We by all know Santa, that. we are of course referring to the Yule goat, and he does not like milk and cookies. He likes flesh. Okay. You gotta the idea that you're gonna leave out milk and cookies, satisfy the Yule goat, and he'll just go away. That this is bullshit. Well, the milk checks out. I
1: mean, the milk is for the reindeer. Well,
2: right? milk. Yeah, the milk's the milk. That's true. The milk's for the reindeer. That that is true, uh, but cookies not. You know,
0: it,
1: leave the I mean, cookies not aside. Like, who doesn't and, uh, like cookies?
0: Apparently, this creature.
3: Well, yeah, the criatura. yule goat. Apparently, like whatever El chucapabra whatever that Nick <laughs> is interacting with, on a yearly basis. Is not a fan of the cookies, but everyone like,
1: else. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. Santa's I Santa's thought Santa's this was supposed guy. to be a nice he holiday. My house. <laughs> He's diabetic, yeah, so he doesn't is,
2: eat the cookies. This misconception people have. The true name of Santa is actually my finish is uh you know abysmal, but it's uh something to the effect of jalo Puki. He's the Yule goat. And much like everything else in the modern world, it has been subverted and inverted by the Jew. And so, rather than leaving customary offering to Santa, uh, you know, in the, in the in the new in the new world, what we have is a situation where you're supposed to, I guess, receive gifts from Santa. This is this is all wrong. It's all backwards and wrong. It's mostly just uh, some kind of smoke screen for jewish capitalism but i digress
1: i like the coca-cola santa he brings chill vibes and cold refreshment yeah that was
2: actually the original the coca-cola santa was created in i think the 1930s uh by i believe uh, in the united states could have been a fan but that was kind of i mean he was jolly but uh he was also fake
1: so there's that he hangs out with the with the polar bears they deliver a refreshment i mean this is canon now right
2: yeah, yeah so just to clear it up Sandy does not live on the north pole he lives in finland and he sits atop a throne of skulls and he's a I mean, horned this, this starts creature.
1: to get into the whole like uh, the cringe christmas horror genre it's exceedingly cringe
2: oh no like there's a, actually really it. good there's two really good christmas horror films uh one gets pretty close it's uh the english title is called strange exports it's a Finnish movie yeah i do recommend that I'd one i've seen
1: that i mean it's 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 okay i mean the thing if you're gonna if you're gonna have a christmas horror movie i'd say the thing is probably what you want to watch. Was okay. People uh, would claim that so it's like Antarctic winter, so it's set in June or whatever. But uh, I I disagree. If it's snow, there's a Christmas movie.
0: Well, I was um, I was transcribing my VHS tapes, video like people actually used to use these things on spools and these large boxes you have to insert into these other large boxes called VCRs. I, I had a bunch of those um, from growing up and up until I basically stop watching TV. Uh, and I decided, um, before I moved, I didn't want to haul those things around. So I digitized them and that it's a very slow process. Basically you have to literally run it in real time and then digitally encode it, uh, and then store it on a hard drive or something. Um, but I was looking through some of the old stuff that I had when I was a kid and, uh, I don't know what, uh, Christmas was like at Nick's house, but uh, mine was slightly different in the sense that I I did have some of these kind of Charlie Brown Christmas specials and uh, the wonderful world of Disney uh, cartoons on these tapes. And I got to tell you, I I really enjoyed them. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Just looking back at that era, uh, you can even watch the commercials in between all the different tapings that I guess my mom did. Uh, It was just a different country. It was just you know, you could, you could basically like just see the advertising was targeting a hugely different demographic and, uh, it was very nostalgic for me. So I did that a few years ago, but, um, Uh,
2: targeting is the key word because I got to take this opportunity, uh, every year to remind the listener that of course, most Christmas films and Christmas music is the product of the Jew going back to something like white Christmas, and they were things that were specifically targeted to the american people to appear wholesome etc
1: charlie brown christmas holds uh, up there's single greatest single greatest christmas album
2: of all time vincent guard is like it 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 is fantastic i played that every year since I, i don't know since i was like 14 or something and my family actually only recently started to like pick up on it because it's just something I liked and nobody else really was necessarily into. I mean they liked it. I mean you can't not like it. If you if you listen to the Charlie Brown Christmas album and you don't like it, you're 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 probably not white.
1: Well, what's interesting is that the uh, the producer, I assume, um, whoever was running the show he fought with the exact uh, people that you would expect to include the whole monologue about how the true meaning of Christmas is celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ at the end which is like a pretty jarring clash with the other kind of uh boomer canon movies but also Christmas music like every boomer uh, Christmas reference uh, seems to kind of elide that whole thing, except for based Charlie Brown. I've actually never watched it. I just love the
2: album. I think it's just fantastic.
0: It's worth checking out. I mean, it, it's sort of standard Charlie Brown. He's kind of the lovable loser type and, uh, you know, goes to the escapades of trying to pull something together and continuously fails. Um, But, uh, I think I remember vaguely like a tree that was really wanting and he was able to kind of summon up the, uh, the willpower to give it some love and, and also not be upset that he didn't get the perfect tree also, which I think is a good lesson for anybody. Like if you can't get what you want, you shouldn't just get upset. You should learn to deal with it. So there's good stuff in there. I mean, it's, you know, it's a kid's kid's movie, but, um, that's about all I remember. It's like the tree wasn't wasn't that. Great. I do
2: have a Christmas Christmas anecdote. Uh, my father really liked that movie, A Christmas Story. I can't really stomach it these days. It's, it's just.
0: Oh, I loved that when I was
2: growing up. It's a little too on the nose, to be honest. It's but a good yeah, movie. I mean, it, like I I liked it when I was growing up. But I had my my father did the exact thing in that movie where I wanted a Daisy Red Rider for Christmas, and so we had. Uh, opened all of the presents and stuff and you know i was not gonna lie a little disappointed there was no daisy red rider and then my dad did the whole like hey what's that behind the tree that you didn't see and it's low that's awesome daisy red rider <laughs> that's cool that yeah, was great man I, I i was like my favorite toy
0: a toy as a child. Did you shoot I, I really an icicle sh- off the garage? I guess uh, you'd have to have icicles, but um.
2: I didn't. I did blow the head off of a small bird through it in my neighbor's yard. Like I yeah. had like a whole like range set up in my backyard with like cans at different distances, and like a bird landed on one, I, I blew its head off. And oh my god, with a BB, I felt kind of bad about it. Was that yeah? A yeah with the BB, to your, to your
3: goat, Santa, demon, or whatever was was that intentional? the bird that you shot apart
2: uh nope but in retrospect that's you mention it maybe that's why he's left me in peace uh, the goat you're referring to yeah it could be because again he craves blood okay well well done i'm
3: glad that you honored your your uh christmas demon whatever with uh, a nice bird sacrifice
2: <laughs> Yule yells about it's about this is the darkest time of year we're recording this on uh what's about to be the uh, the winter solstice.
0: I, I, I think it is. Oh yeah, you're right. You have yeah, it's tomorrow. It's yeah,
1: that's about They're to be.
3: They're calling it
1: the great Conjunct, And what? Yeah, like Jupiter is Saturn a partial yeah, eclipse of the solstice the start of
3: Bethlehem as well. we we'll think is, that's what it is. So there is some biblical meaning to Well,
1: what's well, the dark
2: Darkest time of the year, and it's about bringing light into your home and making sure that you stay close to the light and ward off the darkness at the at the nadir.
1: Yeah, it's about the like food is running low. We better have a party before things get really bleak. Yeah. I think only we could, like, turn a Christmas
2: episode into this.
3: <laughs> so what is the, the cosmic significance of uh, the Great Conjunction, and why are the fucking elites so obsessed with it? Well, I've heard
0: it's happened before, but maybe it's, it's, it's a different
1: like conjunction.
3: Astrology it uh, just
0: like astrology I mean look I'll be honest guys i've uh I've come around to not completely dismissing it just because I've met enough people that have been able to convince me that there are some patterns but I've also seen studies that have shown that it it is completely random um, but my anecdotal experiences uh, indicated otherwise so I have an open mind to that stuff. But I think it's interesting. I mean, there's. I, I think that the fates of man are guided by the stars. I think there are cosmic
2: cycles that go on, absent, you know, the minutia of, yeah. of human life. I think there that could be affect us. I, I I'm not into I'm not necessarily into that stuff per se. But I I do believe you know, we are smaller than the moderns tend to have us believe, or rather, we are part of something larger, depending on how you want to look at
0: that. Yeah, and that's the whole but, argument from. Um... The, uh I forget the something of the gods but it's it's that book that talks about how the the, the pyramids that are throughout the ancient world chariots
1: of the gods
0: I, th- I think it's uh something like that but there, uh, there you, are a you gotta
2: wonder why it is that the ancients were so preoccupied with with the stars right and they're all astrologically as yes, well they did.
0: so the, it does open the question and in
1: multiple I locations. mean harvest and like being able to predict like when your food is going to run out, like these things are important. Yeah,
0: no, that's a, that's a good hypothesis as well. Um, but I, I, think they also imbued a lot of spirituality into the, uh, the temples they built, which were aligned with the stars. And yeah, it, again, it doesn't prove anything. It's just sort of a phenomenon that is fairly common throughout the ancient world, which, um, is sort of interesting because those structures were separated by vast distances and yet they have a lot in common. And so that's, that's really where a lot of people speculate as to maybe there was like a, a great reset, like we're, we're sort of supposedly having now and people forgot a lot of the ancient wisdom and things like that.
1: I'm pretty happy, you know, not, uh, not believing in cosmic, star alignment as opposed to just like cyclical history patterns
0: well or when like, you say you're, you're happy recipes, does that mean that you like you have a preference or it means you're just content not know. to worry like, about it, like, it i don't
1: feel as though i'm I'm missing out by not exploring there's definitely like vast fields of endeavor where it's like man i wish i knew more about that but astrology yeah not so much
2: Oh, quite a time you chose to be born, Hank. <clears throat> so, he, who else
3: has seen the uh, the absolute torrent of uh, uh, what, what would we call it uh, viciousness towards those who want to celebrate Christmas with their families from the media this year? Uh, did anyone yeah, s- suspect that about a year ago you would be you would be framed as? Uh, as basically being akin to a murderer by deciding to spend time with your family and traveling.
0: I know the media pushes this stuff, but I don't know that many people that do it individually.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, they're just telling you, Oh, you should feel bad about seeing grandma when she only has like a few years to live. Like grandparents generally like hanging out with their grandkids. Yep. Like, you know, that's that's basically why they stay alive the the idea that oh yeah you're protecting grandma by you know i i'm just gonna make a make a wild prediction and say that huh weird this is just kind of an indefinite thing or at least it'll be constructed as kind of an indefinite thing and you're supposed to just you know not necessarily never do anything again but definitely feel really bad about doing anything ever again that's not uh, explicitly approved as the list of things that peasants are entitled to, to engage in
3: well they're already creating the pretext for it and I see it enveloping in a couple ways number one um, there's been the the, the the neurolinguistic programming in real time that the media performs is very peculiar because they'll bring on people to kind of argue the contention that many normal people who ask logical questions like yeah which is how long is this supposed to go on for what is this all about even more and people will come on and people will and go to the media and, and whether you're watching this on tv or whether you're reading articles online or listening to podcasts it's the same over and over And it's, um, well, with the vaccine in place, do you think that life will go back to normal? And the the response is always that no, life will not go back to normal with the vaccine. And that likely social distancing and mask wear and uh, therapeutics and all kinds of other elements of life will be suspended or permanently enshrined for the next few years, at the very least, until we can see a new normal, not back to normal, it's a new normal. And uh, on top of that, the media will frame it uh, in a very interesting way. They'll say, um, well, if you decide to travel, even if we have the vaccine, we don't know if the vaccine is capable of uh, stopping spread. We just know it can null, nullify to an extent the symptoms that you'll suffer, the actual damage to your body. But the media is already kind of trying to temper people's expectations of that by slowly trickling out information that seems to indicate the vaccines in wide uh, proliferation right now are ineffective or potentially dangerous. Um, at least a couple thousand people apparently now are unable to um, feed themselves or basically need a doctor's attendance uh, 24-7 due to taking the vaccine. The CDC was investigating that. Have
0: you seen the pictures of the people with Bell's Palsy from this thing? Yeah,
1: I... I think that... That's the um, one chick who just, like, died. Just stroked out entirely.
3: Well, yeah, so they're... So, increasingly, going into the holiday season, um, and we'll get into that, but my point was that... uh, I I think that this is the first time in in my life, for sure, when... um, you know, we, we've kind of speculated for many years, uh, us in this circle, and even to an extent on this show, that um, inevitably they would come for even the very hollowed out traditions that Americans do have left. And I think that it, we all knew Christmas itself was definitely on the chopping block one way or another. And how they did it was really the only question left. Now, using a disease to sort of undo the tradition, I think, was a clever uh, play on their part. But the problem will be in that um, I don't think that the the people who are sort of engineering this are prepared to deal with the fallout of um, tens of millions, potentially many more than that in this country alone, simply ignoring orders or advisory warnings or anything of that sort um, and going about their normal lives and going to see their families.
1: Which is exactly what you see already. Like yes. Broad swaths of you know Los Angeles, uh, for instance, uh, just like everything else in California, it's really fun for the government of California to issue diktats. It's really fun for the population to ignore them. So everybody's happy. Uh, it's... <laughs> Like, I, I don't see how... It, so, there's two ways that you can look at this. Probably a lot more. You can look at this as either intentional incompetency or sort of incompetency just by virtue of the way that the system plays out. Like, these are not smart people. They're not rewarded for making the correct decisions. Like, it's like come hitler 1488 on twitter like just pick a name out of a hat has far better track record of predictions on this than the us centers for disease control like pick any any number of shit posters and they were concerned about this in january proposing public health measures that later were botched uh proposing closing down air traffic at least to the affected regions none of which fucking happened Uh, And then, by now, uh, sort of, you know, now that we're in a scenario where every intervention is proven essentially ineffective and uh, the vaccine remains to be seen, uh, now it's like, okay, well, if your solution to people not believing you, trusting you, or investing you with moral authority is just yell louder, then you're just ineffectual. There's no reason for anyone to believe you because you got super, super somber after you've spent the last year doing exactly the same thing, uh, flatly contradicting themselves over and over again, and in a very transparent way. Like, all these fucking tweets are still up. Like, you can go back and see these people talking about how invidious it is that we might, you know, not hug Chinese people or whatever in February. Uh, and that's the real danger, not the coronavirus. Like you can look up these people talking about how you you wouldn't even know how to put on a mask. Like it's really complicated actually. It seems simple, but cross-contamination, I mean you would probably spread the virus even more so. Like they're operating in a world where it's the classical uh the classical bullshit where it's not that it's true or false it's that the speaker doesn't care if it's true or false it's completely motivated rhetoric and people have caught on to this like the only reason why anyone takes them seriously is because it's this uh this gaslighting effect where You're told to feel bad and it's beaten into your face over and over again that you're supposed to feel bad unless you're doing whatever ridiculous thing of the moment, at which point you're, you know, heroic hero. But so many people have tuned out that I don't think that that's effective on a critical enough mass of the population for them to actually accomplish anything that requires widespread buy-in.
3: Right. And, they, and you can already see the wheels turning in terms of, well, we weren't successful in scaring the shit out of people and convincing them not to go to Christmas, although plenty of people probably have been successfully mind warped, um, uh, but the wheels are already turning for, well, not only is the vaccine not effective and not only is it dangerous, but by the way, we're now seeing new highly
0: mutated strains showing up in places like London.
1: Which I can believe. I mean, it, yeah, Which
0: ought to tell you don't trust before. vaccines because of the nature of these types of coronaviruses. Well, the mutations yeah, are should, inherently making vaccines that, ineffective.
1: Yeah, we should. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't take like a pro or anti vaccine, like per se, approach. It's just that, so uh, I forget who the guy was. This is like way back, like two thousand three vintage, but he had this expression with respect to the uh, the Iraq War. Remember that? Like one of them uh, that good ideas don't need lies told about them. Like if if okay. you if you're just a not credible person, and you say something then just by virtue of the fact that you say it, like, it doesn't make anyone believe it. Like, if you're making your credibility, uh, if you're immolating your credibility, and then you're relying on that to make truth claims, it's not even that, like, anyone disbelieves you. It's just that, like, well, I don't trust you in particular, regardless of what you're saying is true or false. So it's like, if somebody shows up with a vial of whatever is like hey this is a vaccine i'm like all right well vaccines are generally fine probably generally they have like weird immune system interactions but you know we cured smallpox we cured all these fun things cool they're like ah the cdc says it's really great it's like huh the current cdc It's like, yeah, and they fast-tracked the approval because they did a really rigorous study. Huh. And they made sure to take extra time to test it on black people so that they knew that it would work extra super good on black people because that's their top priority, making sure that it works the same on everybody. Huh. So, like, none of these things are actually about, like, the efficacy or the data. It's about the claims that are used to justify why you should believe them. And how those claims well, are is, like this is precisely what it's Just, about yeah it, it's the, the,
2: the whole point is to to make to create a situation that, that I mean there's nothing is more favorable to the system than a situation in which the whatever bullshit comes out, out of the mouth of non-credible people that is to say you know lie uh, to make that sacrosanct
1: to make it effectively law Right, and there's like a second-order thing where some people see this as just like a strategy of tension where the the goal isn't for you to believe these people. The goal is for enough people to disbelieve them that things become actually chaotic uh, as opposed to just like people trying to muddle through despite uh, the government's attempting to shaft society at large.
0: Yeah, I want to clarify. I'm not against all vaccines, but my personal experience and my limited research, admittedly, of flu vaccines, but my personal experience with them, I I can tell you uh, flu vaccines are not very effective. Uh, They don't always work, and they'll admit as much. Uh, The recent estimates I've read were 40 to 60% effective. And the coronavirus is basically like a kind of a super flu. It's, It's killed what a normal flu season would kill times a greater than one, but less than two number. So it's a little bit more. It's maybe, you know, 60% worse. But we also, if you historically look at flus, we've had very bad flu seasons and very lenient flu seasons because this virus mutates constantly and it's not the same virus. Polio, smallpox, for whatever reason, they just don't adapt very quickly and, and the vaccines have been effective. As far as I could tell, I mean, but the I, flu I is always a thing. You know, it always comes uh, back. Some kind of
2: so. pharmacological solution to the Jewish problem. You know, I mean, people need to just start. Problem is not working on the right vaccines for the right problems.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I mean,
1: though like mRNA, like. This is why it's so frustrating trying to get data about this, because if you start trying it to get actual information about like, you know, obviously I'm not a biologist, but in fact, like the track record for biologists on this kind of thing is not excellent, uh, the, the idea that you have like a vaccine with a completely novel mechanism of action that like, oh, uh, well, this one is cool because it doesn't actually go into the cell nucleus. Like we squirt some messenger RNA and it actually goes between the cells and creates this protein. And then we recognize it and we can fight this protein. So like, okay, well, that's a cool story. Uh, uh, it's cool that it seems to have at least some effect, but then like you have these people coming on the radio. I listen to a lot of NPR. Uh, It's probably not maybe the best for me, but it's the best for content. And you have people that'll go on on the radio and just completely disingenuously say that, well, the fact that we have the polio vaccine uh, and, you know, people people are still anti-vaccine, even though that worked, therefore, like, you should disbelieve all claims of limited knowledge about this vaccine with completely novel mechanism of action. So it's like, it doesn't even rise to the level of ad hominem. It's like, there is a class of person who doesn't like this other thing that we're pretty sure is good. So this separate thing that should have the same effect we think through a completely different mechanism should be trusted because those people are bad. Like it, it's, yeah, it's
2: a I actually it's I share, your, I share your perspective that as to vaccines, whether they are per se bad or good. The problem is what you're dealing with with something like this is you have the system playing with people's lives. I mean, even the case of something like the polio vaccine, I know it's not a very large number, but every year, some, you know, 150 to 200 uh, people actually get polio. A friend of mine growing up had exactly that happen to him as a child. And my problem is, I just don't trust the people who are administering this shit. Yeah. And not,
1: you know, not just like
2: the people out. at it's the top. It's not, it's not about it's the like technology, at all it's about
1: levels of this. Yeah. You know, totally. it, it, like the production mechanism, the distribution mechanism. Like, <laughs> it sounds simple to be like, oh, yeah, we just keep it in this cooler. Uh, until x hours before uh, when we start to thaw it out it's like hmm am i really confident of the competency of every person in the supply chain to keep this uh, at the correct temperature like how exactly is people is that you wouldn't
2: on? trust to watch your fucking dog
1: and it'd be nice if like you could have an actual discussion about like oh yeah you know we considered that therefore uh, like you know, we've got remote temperature tracking, like whatever the fuck. But you can't have that conversation because it's like, well, I'm willing to just lie to you if that if that information isn't there, or, or those systems aren't verifiable, or if they are there and they're saying like, wow, we're getting kind of close to the wire there as far as whether these are being uh, distributed with the correct protocols. Like they've demonstrated that they're just willing to flat out lie to you. Uh, and for explicitly motivated purposes, like well, we determined that the public health uh, impact of telling people to not wear masks, like we we decide that lie was worth it at the moment uh, through some process that uh, I'm sure is very trustworthy and verifiable. So, like again, the the trust issue just dominates when when they've lit their credibility on fire. I like. I'm happy to have very old people with honestly not that much time left on this planet. That seems to be the people for whom, like, the claimed benefit, even if you look at like saved quality adjusted life years, it's not that they're guinea pigs, it's that, like, the impact of success or failure is much more visible there, and the downsides of failure are much lower. Like, you're giving people the opportunity to actually see their grandkids, on the one hand, have, like, significantly longer lives, potentially, versus, like, okay, well, uncontrolled, it's extremely likely that you're going to die of this within a couple of years anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of a no-lose state, you know? The
2: thing is... is is like, are we live? We live in a culture that is very uncomfortable with the reality of death, and you have to ask a very simple question, which I think to any sane person is very easy to answer to what you're talking about, Hank. And that is, is it better to die alone in a you know bubble wrapped room or to die with your family? You know, I mean, it's <laughs> death will come. Of it. To die that way, to live in those last years of your life. And under these kinds of conditions, why in any respect is that worth it? What what then is the value of life?
1: And there are a lot of people that have made that explicit trade-off that it's like, okay, well, YOLO, I want to see my grandkids. If it was me in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, YOLO, let me see the grandkids. Like, what else am I doing? Uh, <sighs> but I don't think like, you know, we, we've turned from the the Yule uh, the Yule Tide special to the Corona Doom uh, the Corona Doom redundancy. but I don't think that you can separate really these kinds of uh, social cyclical forces like elections and holiday travel with the uh, the imperatives of uh, this propaganda campaign. And this, like, long going uh, social experiment uh, that they seem to have foisted upon us.
0: Well, I, like, I there's a say... reason,
1: obviously, why like all this shit was pushed in the run up to election day. And there's a reason why it's being pushed now up to inauguration day through Christmas. And why, you know, it's quite plausible that uh, we have a few months respite where it's like, oh, Uncle Joe solved the problem, vaccines. We trusted the science and the science uh, rewarded our prayers and our faithfulness. And now we don't have to worry about this until the next time that we say to worry about this.
3: Well, yeah, and I think that the you can already see the logic of utilizing the halting of Christmas as effective disease prevention and what this means for future um, political uh, what I guess you would call it, uh, opportunism. And it's, it's very cynical, but it effectively works like this. So you say, um, uh, Christmas is a spread vector or Thanksgiving is a spread vector and it's a multiplier. And you use all these words and you throw in some math jargon, some stats jargon, and you effectively um, create this sort of respite in people's minds or uh, this interlude in people's minds. But, well, well uh, th- these things that we do are highly dangerous and the news said something about exponential, whatever. And so uh, when uh, Joe, if, if Joe successfully goes about uh, Claiming the presidency, and then uh, in a few months, you're right, and he decides in the spring that he wants to end the corona um, hysteria, temporarily maybe. You will definitely see his interpretation, or their interpretation, of, well, many Americans gave up seeing their families for the holidays, and that helped. Many Americans took the vaccine, and that helped. Many Americans followed the 100-day mask mandate, and that helped. And so, therefore, um, you should trust us because we know what we're doing, and temporary suspension of your personal civil liberties are not only um, necessary, but actually good because they solve problems in the long run. And many of the hallmarks of being an American citizen – Will be sort of now totally stripped away from you and i think it is a a very perverse evolution of sort of w era patriot act um, retardation where it used to be that the personal liberties stripped from you were things that you didn't necessarily know were going on like the stripping of your privacy um people would just kind of assume the nsa was listening to their phone calls it was kind of became a cultural joke But um, that was much less ostentatious and much less um, aggressive than something like forcing you to wear an article of clothing whenever you leave your home or telling you that you cannot see your family for fear of uh, inflicting undue harm onto them and potentially others you don't know by doing so. Uh, And I think that... It is interesting to consider that in the 20-odd years that have passed since 9-11, you know, now we've descended to a point where the government is effectively picking and choosing which holidays Americans are allowed to participate in, um, and using very flimsy excuses to do so. Uh, I don't think that if you travel back to Christmas of uh, 2001 in the aftermath of 9-11, and you told people that, well you know, in your invigoration for uh, a war on terror and a war against global Islam, um, the government's already talking to you about giving up certain liberties to fight this threat. And if you remember, people remember back to that time, you know, Christmas 2001, uh, the country was reeling, people were personally affected, people were probably happier than never to be close to their family. But if you told them that, um, the event that just transpired two, or three months ago that shocked you to your core will actually, uh, invariably lead to about 20 years from now, a point wherein the government is now deciding kind of on a whim that you cannot, you can no longer celebrate Christmas. I think people then would be very shocked and wouldn't, wouldn't probably believe you that that was something that was possible. Um, but it's taken you know really less than a generation to effectively warp the minds of Americans so deeply since 9/11 into believing that
2: what's well, the same it's the same appeal to safety
3: yes into and, and believing safety that the government safety. the federal the, the government's ultimate job is to create this sort of um, protective barrier around you and then as time goes on and the world becomes more difficult and complex, the government's job is to create a more effective barrier on top of that. And I think that, you know, as we head into this holiday season, you, and you all spend time with your families, you should consider that um, those people are really your, your protective layer. In, in the old world, and not even that long ago, but certainly in the old world of our forefathers, wherever you come from, this is probably invariably true, uh, your family was the closest protective layer you really had. And I do see a, a real um, legitimate kind of civilizational crisis going into Christmas about what it is to even celebrate Christmas anymore. We kind of started off jokingly talking about, well, the holiday's been gutted um, and it's commercialized, and yeah, that's all very true. Um, but at least it's a tradition. At least there's an ethos there. At least there's something there. At least there's something people care about. People do care about going to see their family. They spend hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, doing so. They they spend invariable amounts of time. They risk being stuck in an airport for days on end just to go see their family, and um, or just to just to do something, just to be with someone. And so, uh, I think that. Uh, As uh, the government sort of creates this pretext, um, we will definitely create this narrative in the minds of as many people as will listen, that the sacrifices made after the government asked you to make them, to abandon Christmas effectively, actually saved the day, and While the day is saved, the day may come again when this will have to be done again, because they've already set the pretext many times in this last year that diseases are now part of the new normal, that there will be more pandemics, that there will be more diseases, there will be climate crises, there will be refugee crises, there will be cyber attack crises, there will be uh, many, many economic problems that we'll all have to deal with, and, and shortages of food and so forth, and so... You have to really understand that it won't be maybe 20 years, might only be 10 years before they say no Christmas because there's a food shortage. And we can't expect you to ration food properly if you're in more than three households at once. Um, And the same can be said for utilization of utilities if those become some sort of uh, point of contention. And I really think that people should be aware that the 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 primary traditions and whatever they whatever you have of left of them um, will be stripped away from you at one point or another. And even if there's enough passive resistance now against this virus, people just sort of go on about their life and ignore the virus or take it slightly seriously, but not really. Um, they will definitely come up with another pretext, whether it's five or ten years from now. Um, simply because the ultimate goal is not necessarily getting everyone sick. The ultimate goal is stripping you of kind of everything you have left. And ironically, Coca-Cola Santa Claus is one of the few things you have left. And they will take it from you. And they will try and dehumanize you to the point where you don't even recognize that as a vague cultural symbol.
1: Who who went to Bass Pro? And saw plexiglass Santa. Did anyone do that? I
0: don't know what that is.
1: I I, I did that. It was uh, we didn't actually go and like do the whole standing in line <laughs> do you thing. Like a, um, but I uh, believe was he in a
2: Pope cube or something?
1: Yes, essentially. So uh, I think that they still have the video uh, up online. Just uh, you know, Yandex uh, Bass Pro Santa, and they they explain how they like bleach everything down and there's like masked up elves and like you uh you go and kind of paw at the plexiglass separating you from santa kind of like kind of prison telephone type situation inform him as to you know what you're requesting and then you can kind of you know they try to windex the uh the plexiglass down pretty well so that you can take a photo but you can tell Santa's, santa's in jail santa santa has become superfluous uh it's a pretty dystopian uh view just looking at the thing i can't imagine participating in it uh i mean honestly seeing the behavior of this past year and really just the entire past four years i'm more and more of the opinion that you just you can't have these omnipresent uh propaganda networks, information dissemination and control networks. like You just can't allow them to exist. That's right. Uh, I sure. think that there are more and more people tuning out, and honestly, it seems like a lot of the population tuning into them skews older, and they never really had a shot. They never had any immunological uh, response, so to speak, to uh, the grave man on the television telling them to do something. So, mm-hmm. I mean it's possible that they wither away, but I think that in reality like these systems are just not compatible with having the population that we have and also having a free country it's like pick pick two of the three free country this population or like massive integrated propaganda network
0: I have some thoughts um, and I agree with with Hank on that um, but going off of what Hans was saying about the, uh, the goal of controlling you and depriving you. Um, I think we in the show of, on record saying pretty early on, this thing has a lot in common. Uh, it, it resembles at least the, uh, political knock on effects of nine 11. Um, what I think makes this even more insidious is after nine 11 and, Hans is right. I mean, I think people were actually closer in a way to their families and to a limited degree, their friends, because you wanted to rally around uh, the flag and the people that you know and defend your community. And I remember that. Um, This, however, uh, is particularly insidious because it even cuts the family apart. And you can't even discern who Whereas with terrorism, you're like, well, if the guy has a big beard and he's got a turban on his head and he's got dark skin and he sort of looks shifty, he might be a terrorist. And of course, they're trying to tell you that's not really true. But that's what most normal people kind of associated. And it was a pretty simple, like, that's that guy's not American. We're American. We can kind of feel like a community then. But now we've got, and I could tell you from my own family, uh, there are people in it that are. On one side, and there are people on the other side. And there is so much confusion and so much misinformation and so much rancor over this thing. I think that's actually the point. I think people are supposed to be fighting each other again rather than looking at the elite. Um, this whole year was just that pattern again and again and again. Having the race riot stuff, having this go on now, the election thing red and blue fighting. I mean, it's just the same pattern. And who's in control? It's the same people who've been in control for decades, if not centuries. Uh, How do you actually remove their clutches on the media and things like that? I think that's the real question. But until that happens we're going to continue to be living in this perpetual psyop. I do not see this going away because it's the pattern has just repeated consistently. So hopefully somebody can figure that out. Well, again, you don't need any kind of, you know, fancy
2: pharmacological cocktail per se. I mean, rope has worked for hundreds of years and it will continue to work. (laughs) Well,
3: Let me ask you guys this. We've seen
1: the difficulty in... Like, the difficulty in assembling a political coalition under these circumstances. It's... Like, political coalitions are contingent enough when you're trying to actually do something new. uh, And then to do it in the context of this propaganda uh, empire and, like, the massive institutional support. I mean, again, like, it's possible that structural forces just sclerosis effect and like the entire thing is honestly pretty ossified and it's still fairly effective when you're trying to make these big uh changes like inaction is something that it can do perfectly well uh when that's what's required but i don't know i i think it's a it's a brand uh it's a brand new problem how to deal with these things
2: yeah, I mean there are similarities and differences. With 9/11. In the case of 9/11, nothing that the state ratcheted up has gone away, and I think that we can safely predict that that will be the case with this meme plague. But big difference is that you know these the endless you know Jewish desert wars. As much as they took a toll on some people, it's nothing compared to this. I mean, it didn't really take the ability away from people to feed their families. I mean, what's about to happen is there's going to be waves of evictions. I mean, normal people living in rural American areas, I mean, what's going to happen is these people are going to be driven out of their homes. And no, the system's not going to do I anything.
1: I suspect that in rural areas uh, there may be enough blowback that that does not actually end up happening.
2: Oh, there will uh, be. There,
1: well, they'll start and we'll see
2: how it goes.
1: Why do you think yeah. that it'll be I much mean what I
3: in see in rural areas and not in urban areas like places like Seattle they've
2: already because the people who live in urban areas a lot of white collar white collar workers are able to adjust to you know the new economy and in fact if anything the really sinister thing that I see is what's going to happen is these people. So you have two things that are going on at the same time. You have the message that's been sent out that the cities are not livable places because you know, you're going to have ooga booga shit and you know, feral fucking degenerates running around destroying your property or, or violently intimidating you or worse. And so I think what will happen is that a lot of these white collar people who live in urban centers are going to start looking to move out to, you know, the peaceful, serene country. And they're going to be coming in, bidding yep. up properties that are going to be recently evicted by pigs and the banks. And they're going to come in and set up this new work from home infrastructure. And they're going to bring the, you know, the class war back home to, to rural America. It's it's going to get weird. It's going to get tense, and I'm seeing it in real that. time.
1: Yeah, I mean the, you'll, yeah, the it, the macro level dynamic uh, there. I think okay. Let me back up. I see one aspect of the entire. Uh, COVID and uh, riot phenomenon as a way to do a gigantic blockbusting campaign on prime urban real estate. Uh, the thing about blockbusting is that eventually you actually have to flip it, though. So uh, I don't know how exactly that plays out, but I can tell you that the major... Uh, kind of if you're gonna identify one particular sector that comprises the largest share of prime urban commercial real estate, you're talking the restaurant sector. There are also a gigantic uh, employer, particularly on the uh, the you know for lack of a better word, the low end, um, things that do not necessarily require like specific uh, to that institution uh skills so like if you're doing a bust out you want to force a lot of these places to be completely immiserated and their landlords to sell out to the big guys with literally infinite capital thanks to the federal reserve uh for pennies on the dollar just to eke out something out of it at which point like you can now repopulate the asset that does like require a stage two where it's like, and then we repopulate the asset. Uh, The the migration out of the cities is something that I can see happening. Like, I I literally do see it happening with uh, people that I know uh, as well. I'm not sure about, like, the level of um, kind of structure there. There's... Um, some kind of like pseudo flocking behavior, um, but it's getting it's getting iffy if and when um, there's sort of a mandate to like okie dokie everybody back to the office and then you want to uh, suddenly switch jobs. Um, it's a great mechanism of control over your employees to have them physically in a location. Uh, it limits the uh employers that they can jump ship to which is important in certain sectors and i don't see companies kind of wanting to give that up unless they get some massive benefit or avoid some massive cost there so in other words like yeah there's definitely going to be people that are like screw all of y'all i move into montana uh And they're like, well, I get all this Silicon Valley money. So sure. Like this hundred thousand dollar property now becomes $150,000 property. I don't see like vast hordes of Pajits moving out to the middle of nowhere so that they can LARP as countryside enthusiasts or whatever. Um, and I don't see necessarily coordinated movements into the middle of nowhere so much as like, you know, Austin is toast. Uh, sorry guys uh certain like big cities quote unquote uh in some of these areas they're they're going to become like fiber optic uh fiber optic bedroom communities however you'd like to phrase it um but I, i don't necessarily see like hordes of soy boy silicon valley uh programmers suddenly deciding that they love shoveling like four feet of snow every winter and like having a three-hour drive to the nearest car garage.
0: Yeah, I I think it'll be uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I've certainly seen the rural areas uh, go up in price. So I think that that is a fact. Uh, But I also think it is uh, almost certainly uh, a fact that the major cities and major metropolitan areas are not going to be allowed to implode. There's too much wealth that the elite can control held in those areas. So they're going to do whatever it takes to get those things back on their feet. And it could be that this is a temporary thing so that they can buy things up on the cheap. We've already seen that in the commercial real estate areas, uh, Amazon buying up all these old strip malls and, uh, or just regular malls, uh, as, and reconverting them for distribution centers, the wealthiest, uh, 1% of uh, the nation has enjoyed a, a tremendous increase in their wealth, while the majority of people have uh, seen a decrease. Uh, so I I don't see the cities disappearing long term. Um, I, I think there's just too much power uh, vested in them that uh, for them to let that happen.
2: I I never suggested the cities would go away. I only suggested that there's a new phase of interior interior colonization.
1: Yeah. And, you know, frankly, isolated areas work both ways. I don't, I don't know if I need to be more explicit than that, but tight-knit uh, local communities can exercise uh, surprising control over their logistics and infrastructure uh, when they're confronted with a person who is inimical to the interests of the community.
2: You know, money can buy you certain friends, but it can't buy you all the friends. And the more friends that you buy that everyone else hates, you know, you've created a problem for yourself. Right.
1: And it's like, yeah, it that's the flip side of places that are uh, lower in population is that, you know, they're more resilient to certain... Attacks and less resilience to other attacks like the warm body vote flood uh is an attack that they are vulnerable to uh there are you know techniques that the wealthier uh quasi-rural larping areas have figured out uh, in order to prevent that from happening like just try putting down like a condo block or whatever in napa uh or uh anywhere in San Francisco, but Napa, it's like, wow, we got literally more cows than people somehow, uh, vineyard after vineyard, and we'd like it to stay that way. Uh, and it's possible for your local community, uh, if they haven't been, uh, co-opted at the executive level with, you know, visions of property taxes or more direct payments or whatever, uh, there are, you know, completely legal and well accepted ways that you can prevent that from happening.
0: All right. Well, we decided that because we're such a serious and somber show uh, for the Christmas episode, we'd actually try to cheer people up a little bit. So, I think everyone here felt uh We like didn't we, do a very good job of that. We we owed people a merry Christmas and a happy Yuletide and a happy new year if that's possible, but we're going to keep it optimistic here. So that was me. You guys go ahead.
1: Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas guys.
3: Have a, uh, have a happy, happy Christmas. Spend time with your families, call your families, whatever. Just make sure that you and your family have some kind of contact over the next few days. And, uh,
2: Try not to eat too many cookies. Uh, Yield tides to everyone. Keep the light. I know it's dark. It will get darker, but the light will come back. <laughs>